Thank you very much for inviting me back here again. It's always a joy for me to come here. There's always such a warm welcome and a wonderful breakfast as well. Well done to all the ladies providing that. And um, lovely to see many familiar faces and to meet some new faces as well today. Um, and as we were, you know, having breakfast, it reminded me of um, a story of a businessman and he used to have a lot of his business folk come and stay in the house overnight and um, invite them to stay for breakfast in the morning. And he was very much part of a family, so he, he encouraged them to come down and join the family. And on this particular morning, um, they always used to say grace, true to their Christian heritage. And the mum said to the little four-year-old girl, would you like to say grace this morning? So the little girl said, but mummy, I don't know what to say. So mummy said, well, just say what I say. So everyone bowed their head, and the little girl said, oh, dear Lord, why did I say I would have all these people to stay in for breakfast? I must be mad. (laughs) And to that stage, when you get up here and you think, "Mm, perhaps I'm mad to do this, Um, but it's a joy. And it's lovely, isn't it, to be human. We can laugh, um, you know, as human beings. And, you know, did you know that actually 60% of our, our DNA is the same as a banana? God has made us and created us as amazing people, you know, made up of 70% water. And if we were to melt ourselves down, which we wouldn't do, we'd have about two inches, no, how many? Yeah, two inches of nail inside us. It's amazing, isn't it, how we're made? And, you know, um, in a life expectancy of 80, I haven't quite reached there yet, but when I do, um, we will cry 65 litres of tears um, with about 800,000, 50,000 drops of tears. What it is to be human, we can laugh, we can cry, you know, and that's part of our lives, isn't it? We have this sort of wide experience and um you know and quite often when we go face face hard times we hurt don't we don't we is ouch it really really hurts and i wonder how many of us this past year have cried tears of disappointment frustration sadness hurt and pain you know perhaps some of us have maybe some of us haven't and that's okay if you're not in that place um, but just for a moment, let's just think back to our childhood. And as you know, when we grow up, we have this great sort of childhood innocent dream that when we become adults, everything will be honky dory, everything will be all right. But of course, life doesn't work out like that, does it? You know, we're not immune to life's difficulties. Um, you know, somehow life isn't simple. That may be true for us, life works out as we want, but for many of us, there's disappointments, frustrations, and trials and hard times, and we begin to suffer. You know, we begin to feel really uneasy inside. We have all sorts of emotions going on inside us. And it's, but there's nothing that goes on inside us God cannot use and redeem and comfort us in that place. It was George Orwell that said, most people get a fair amount of um, fun out of their lives, but on balance, life is suffering. And only the very young or the very foolish would actually imagine otherwise. So for many of us, for most of us, life will have, at some stage in our life, a degree of hitting the hard times and we begin to feel really as if we're suffering. Oh, Lord, is this really going to go on? How much longer? 
Um, and some people experience that and will give it in a, a metaphor. It's like a mountain to climb. It's a bump in the ro- ro- road. It's an obstacle race. And I feel like caught in a storm, tossed this way and that way, and I've got no idea where I'm going. And maybe some of us haven't met our dreams. Maybe some of us have met the man of our life and now sadly have been divorced. Perhaps some of us have faced crippling illnesses in our families. Um, maybe some of us who are you know, parents and grandparents have the disappointment perhaps of the loss of expectation, finding out our teenagers maybe are gay or trans. Um, all that brings heartache and shame and suffering. And maybe some of us have money worries, redundancy, and so on. Because as Christians, we're not immune to the difficulties in life. And it's how we find a way to respond to those difficulties will actually help us strengthen the Christian hope that we have within all of us. And that hope keeps us persevering. That hope is like an anchor for our life. You know, in Hebrews, it it talks about Jesus is the hope that we have for our anchor, for our soul, you know, for all that there is. It's firm and secure, and it doesn't shift. And when we go through hard times, it's trying to find that hope and keep on coming back to find that hope. Because when we go through hard times, it's so easy, isn't it, to think, oh, I'm no good, oh, no wonder, you know, life's hard because I'm rubbish or I'm stupid, and then we have crippling guilt and all sorts of things. But I want to say right at this stage, people's pain is people's pain. It is our pain. Everyone is unique in the way they experience pain. There isn't a right or wrong, and there's no comparing whatsoever. We will always experience hard times in life in different ways. And as we struggle with a deeper pain, a pain which cannot be always choreographed, we're not in control of the pain. But how we respond in that pain is the key of finding a hope. So a mother who lost her son, one of the black murders in London, said, I feel I'm having a dream that I can't get out of. I feel I've been in a dream I can't get out of for the last 29 years. Um, My daughter, sadly, has been very, very ill with ME and chronic fatigue. And over those 29 years, she spent many a year in bed, can't turn over in bed. We've had to feed her, not well enough to even give us a word or a smile. So you can imagine that has been going on for about 29 years. It has been a hard time. And I don't share that because I want sympathy, but I want to help you to know that actually I've had to dig really, really deep to find the God of hope through all those years because it is hard, isn't it? You know, we have the God of hope with all his promises. You know, I will promise you this, I'll promise healing, I'll promise that. And then you've got life's experience over here and there's a great big gap And that's the challenge for us, is how do we keep that gap closed so we stand on the promises of Jesus and he will give us hope. And then when you're in the midst of the hard times, we come across James 1, 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy? I don't want to consider it pure joy, I don't know about you. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, 
not lacking anything. And I think that's the challenge for many of us when we face hard times, is how do we keep persevering, leaning on God, when life and our experience of life feels all out of control? One commentator says of perseverance, we are summoned to persevere in the truth we have received, to cling to it as a secure handrail in the storm, and to stand firm in this. These images of being in a storm, Jesus being an anchor, holding on to that handrail so that we don't fall into the deep sea. I find that image really, really helpful. And I want to say for those that are struggling here today, I read somewhere years ago, and it really helped me, the definition of a mature Christian is one that struggles well. Isn't that wonderful? We can give ourselves permission to struggle well. We are human. And so often in the Christian church, you know, we put on a nice happy face. I'm fine. I'm okay. And you think, are you really? You know, rather than being absolutely honest with our struggles. So what I want to do is actually talk about how do we face the fast, hard times with our struggles? What is going on inside us that we can recognise, that we can perhaps respond to, and therefore help our hope strengthen? And I think right at the outset, one of the things I decided to do was to be quite honest with myself. I thought, OK, God, you and me are going to be honest about all this that I'm going through, because it feels pretty naff if I'm honest. Um, and, you know, church isn't always the easiest place to be in because everyone expects you to be fine with a happy face, not real. And I think it's really important we take the mask down and we're real people. So I decided I was going to be honest with myself and my feelings, honest about my thoughts and feelings with a few friends I could trust, and honest with God about my thoughts and feelings. And the psalm that really helped me about being honest with God was Psalm 77, when David said, Have you forgotten me? Have you taken your compassion away? Will you never remember me? And he's quite gutsy and he's quite real, and I love it because he's so real. But then he goes on to say, Yeah, but I'll remember what you've done. So he doesn't stay in that place, but actually he moves on. And I know it was only last week I was throwing all the rubbish at God with particularly hard week for various reasons. And I gathered all the promises together that God had given me and I said, right, I'm throwing them at you. If you're God, you better do something about all your promises, you know. But I didn't stop there. I went on to say, well, thank you, Lord, because I know you love me so much. You sent your son to die on the cross. And that's the thing that holds me. I can be absolutely honest with God. So I think in our struggles, it's important to be honest with God. Um, And here's a poem um, that my daughter wrote in her earlier years of being so ill about how she was honest with God and how she held on to God. Um, No other human being can fully comprehend my real inner suffering and physical bodily pain. I crouch inside a corner of a clear plastic box. No one can get inside it. They can only stand and watch. Of course they can see when I'm crying, when I'm listless and when I'm cross. But they cannot climb inside me into the clear glass box. The searing pain piercing inside me burns like a red-hot rod stabbing, deeply wounding for the healthy individual I'd been. 
once was. Now I'm helpless, useless, at times a waste of space. I want to cover the box with black paper so you don't have to notice me in this state. I know you've tried to break the glass, lift the lid, get in, to reach my pain and feelings embedded deep within. I've got to leave my angry frustration and come to realise that you'll never fully understand the welling pain inside. But I found one empathetic person who truly understands, who can climb inside this clear glass box and soothe the pain with his hands. Yes, Jesus knows my suffering. He feels it in his heart. I don't need to um, feel it for he carried my, my pain on the cross. So it was someone being really gutsy and real and able to really bring that back to knowing that Jesus was there for her. So the first thing I want to encourage us all to do when we hit the hard places to be real. The second one, I don't know how many of you had that, we had this little three little word, why? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? because we want to find out logical reasons, which is understanding. But actually, after a while, that little word, why, is not helpful. We have to let it go. And, and, we, and we find many of the um, biblical characters asking why. Jeremiah, why does the way of the wicked prosper? Habakkuk, why do you tolerate wrong God? Job, why didn't you let me die at birth? Why don't you back off and stop hurting me? Psalm 22, David, why have you forsaken me? So it's a very natural thing to ask why, but there comes a time when it's really important we lay that why down because we can't answer it most of the time and we accept that God is in control. He sees what we can't see. We can't make sense of life. Who can understand God's ways? And we come back to that place of accepting that God's ways are not our ways and we don't understand but we know that God is faithful he is for us he loves us unconditionally whatever we do or say and he's really vouching for us and I believe that many times he cries tears with us and holds our hand as we walk through the hard places and of course then we struggle with emotional pain don't we worry anxiety They hover around the corner, they come and wake us up at night, you know, and they can rob us of the present and of the future. And many of us know about the famous lady Corrie ten Boom, um, a Christian Dutch lady who sheltered many Jews during the Second World War. She was eventually caught and sent to um, concentration camp. And reflecting on the challenges that she faced during that very hard time in the concentration camp, she wrote these wonderful words of encouragement. Worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strengths. Carrying two days at once. It is moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strengths. And it is about, during the hard times, sometimes taking one day at a time. Because if we look out there, we become anxious, it's uncertain, and we can worry about perhaps things that will never happen. 
And then, of course, alongside worry and anxiety becomes guilt, doesn't it? For often, one of us, oh, my goodness, I can remember ironing one day, probably about 10 years ago, and suddenly this thought came into my mind, you must be the worst Christian ever, Chris, for God not to answer your prayers. You know, the guilt. And I recognised it as guilt, and I thought, I'm not going to have that, because if I sit in that, then I'm going to feel worse. So I threw it out the window, not literally. It's funny how you're ironing and you think of all these things, isn't it? But, you know, we have a choice when we go through the hard times. Do we lean into God and remind ourselves of his promise and how much he loves us? Or do we sit and wallow in the pity party? Because the pity party wants to entice us, oh, come on, poor old me. Yeah, it's nice down here, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very hard time. Look at your friends, they're having a great time. And it wants to entice us into that pity party. But that's not helpful. You know, we have to choose to think, no, I want to hang on to you, Lord. I don't want to sit in that pity party. You know, and jealousy is around. You know, that feeling of jealousy, they've got what I haven't got. Really important we acknowledge that and respond to it and think, no, Lord, I'm going to give that to you. I'm not going to carry that. And very often for many of us when we face hard times, there's that hard determination to survive. I was driving down to the coast one day to visit relatives by myself. And I don't know, I was careering along in the car, round these narrow roads. It was really exciting. And I was thinking, what am I doing this for? I'm putting myself in danger. So I began to think it through. I thought, I know why I'm doing it. Because life feels out of control. Life and health in my family feels out of control. So why am Driving a fast car feels in control. I'm loving every bit of this. Taking control back in my life. But I realised that wasn't a very healthy control thing to take back. So I stopped doing it. Fortunately, I didn't have an accident. But I think sometimes when we go through hard times, we look for control. And sometimes that control can stop us hanging on to hope. You know, have to let control go because God's in control. And of course, there's always anger and resentment hanging around somewhere at some degree, which is important to let go of. So what do we do to find hope? What can we practically do? I think the first thing is to remind ourselves that actually we don't own ourselves. Whatever the hard time's throwing at you, we don't own ourselves. We were bought with a price. God owns us. And if this is how life is taking us, then it, it's the challenge is to find God in that place and not think, oh my goodness, I, you know, I wouldn't have chosen my life for what it is at the moment, the way it's worked out. But it is how it is. So I have given that to God and I've said, your way, not my way. I will continue praying. Of course I will for healing. But actually, I put it in God's hands to sort out. Um, you know, gratitude is another important thing that will help us to be more open to hope. Gratitude is a well-known saying, two men looked out from prison bars, one saw mud and the other saw stars. And I think, I, you know, I can certainly testify I've grown, um, you know, to be far more grateful for the little things in life because, because those are the things that matter. I can remember years ago when my daughter spent quite a long time in bed. My husband and I were, and she was still at home, being very ill at home at that stage. Um, she's now married, fortunately, um, and really blessed in her marriage. And um, 
we were driving, we were taking the car, and I just happened to look up to the front window. And somehow, I don't know how, because she hadn't really got out of bed, she had crawled out of bed and pulled herself up to the window, and she was waving to us. I can't tell you the tears that flowed. Just so thankful. Now, you probably will take that for granted with your children, but we've never, you can't take that for granted with my daughter at all. And we just wept as we drove down the road. We were just thanking the Lord that that for us was just so precious, like a precious gem that's always stuck with me. So gratitude, being grateful for what gives us, being grateful for who God is. You know, he's a wonderful God. He's a faithful God. He loves us intimately. You know, he'll always for us, always vouching for us. And it's grateful for his wonderful character as well. And of course, when we can hit through card times, we're not always going to feel spiritual and have long spiritual prayers, you know, and don't let anyone put any sort of, um, you know, sort of pressure on you for that. We might just say, help, Lord, it's me here, help me. You know, one of the Psalms says, my soul is weary with sorrow, strengthen me according to your word. And sometimes just a word like that in season might really help. Um, I can remember in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep, particularly the first year, trying to come to terms with what on earth was going on, I sang one worship song. Not out loud, because I'd have woke my husband up, but in my heart. And I would start singing it, and I would start going to all my worries, and I would come back, and I'd start singing it again, and I'd start going to all my worries. But I persisted, and do you know, after a year, I found myself waking up with that song automatically in my head because I had chosen to keep going to keep reminding myself of how great God was that was what the song was about and that really helped me it took time but you can see how hope grew you know because I kept on going back there so how do we handle our pain with God what do we trust him for Remember early on, someone said, well, Christine, what do you trust God for? I thought, well, I can't trust him to heal her because his promises are there, but he doesn't always work in this life to heal someone, as we all well know. Sometimes he chooses to, sometimes he doesn't. So what can I really trust God for and have the hope that he will give me? I can trust God that he'll walk with me all the way through this pain. Well, he was singing that in the last song, a lovely song. He'll take me by the hand and lead me. I can trust God that he will comfort me in my pain. And I certainly found that God is like, um, in my pain, God is like the cotton wool at the bottom of my pain. Somehow he's there comforting me at the bottom of my pain. It doesn't go to deep with God, with my, with my pain, without you know, as it would do if I didn't have God in my life. So I'm aware of that. Um, He can fill me with his peace, knowing that he has ultimate control. I don't see the outcome of all this. Um, Unfortunately, it looks now as if probably perhaps her daughter is also not well. You know, um, she's been, you know, not able to go to school full time for the last five months. So she's also you know, very fatigued as well after a virus. So life is really hard. But actually, it's knowing that God is in the midst of that with us. God is for us. 
You know, God loves us. And that, for me, is so precious. Whatever goes on, God is for me and loves me. And I think it's important that, you know, if we're finding hope is hard to find, ask for a gift of hope. Come on, God says, ask and I will give it to you. You don't have sometimes because you don't ask. We ask for a gift of hope. Um, when my daughter had probably been home for about 10 years at home and we were looking after her and nursing her at home and my husband and I were feeling really weary, saying, oh, Lord, we just need a gift of hope. We don't, we know you're there, but, Lord, we need encouragement. We're human. Um, and completely out of the blue... One of my daughter's um, old friends from London, came down from London, said, I'd like to come and see you both, came down and, and can remember this distinctly, sitting in the, in the kitchen um, around the table and her big brown eyes, she said, I want you to know that God has asked me to come down here and look after your daughter so that you both have a break from her. I thought, my this is that God. I haven't engineered anything, completely God working. And we had a flat nearby, um, and so we moved Julia and this girl into the flat nearby, which was such a relief for my husband and I, you know, because obviously we were having to do everything for her. Um, so ask for a gift of hope if you're finding your hopes running dry, you know, because God has not forgotten us. Um, and, you know, we want to grow in a hope, a hope that is realistic, a hope that is persistent, a hope that's persevering. How do we find strength for today when we can suffer so much? Because it's so easy to look to the future and feel hopeless. But God is a God of hope there. But we want to grow in a hope that is, that is um, related to an outcome, that is not related to an outcome, but is a well-screwing. Because if you have a hope that is related to an outcome and that outcome doesn't happen, we're disappointed and frustrated. But it's a hope that is a wellspring that actually as we move forward, we have more and more of Jesus living in us. Because it's love working deep within us that will give us the strength and the comfort and the peace to cope with the hard times. You know, that's that Hebrew word, we have a hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. That is the hope, Jesus, our, our, our high priest. And that's the challenge, isn't it? Our faith gets challenged when we go through hard times. You know, did God really say that? Is he going to be true to his promises? Is he there? I feel he's distant. I may as well, you know, I may as well throw, sometimes I felt like prayers in a brick wall. Nothing is breaking anything down. You know, and it's so hard to keep going when we think of Paul, how he really suffered, you know, he was imprisoned, he was beaten, he was shipwrecked, he saw friends suffered and murdered, you know, he had a thorn in his flesh, and yet he was able to say, I have learnt to be content in whatever situation I find myself in. I've learnt to be that contentment that's so full of peace that I can stand in that place, knowing that God is with me. And so we find contentment when we look to Jesus within our pain rather than waiting for the pain to go. That is the place of hope, finding Jesus within our pain. Laying our suffering before God and refusing to let bitterness 
become our script. And it allows us to reach deeper into our relationship and it forges a deeper relationship with Jesus. Um, And if the contentment seems elusive to you, remember that God's love is far bigger, far wider than we know. You know, our our contentment can grow from a blazing hope that Jesus brings us, as well as the knowledge that Jesus understands. You know, Romans 5 says, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance hope. I haven't quite got to that place yet of rejoicing in my sufferings. I'll be honest, I'm a crackpot, like all of us. I'm still on the journey of learning and growing closer to Jesus, so I can't say I rejoice in my sufferings. Sorry about that one, but there we go. You know, so I can remember having a picture of a shattered glass. Shattered glass all on the floor, symbolising my broken heart and seeing Jesus with tears in his eyes, picking up the pieces and with bleeding hands, transforming them into a crown of diamonds, which he then placed on my head. To me, this meant that the depths, he felt the depths of my mothering pain. He was crying with me. Jesus cries with you during the hard times. And in many ways, which I couldn't understand at the time, I recognised that he was saying, I'm transforming you into something precious and of a value. The pain will not be wasted. You know, and I think that's our challenge. Will we allow Jesus, the hope of Jesus, that through the hard times, that he will transform us into something more beautiful? That's the longing of my heart that he'll transform all the suffering because my hope is that he will use it for his glory because he'll never leave me. So I want to leave you with a, a, a prayer from an unknown person which said, I said, God, why should this happen to me? What did I do to deserve it? How can I possibly cope? He said, don't blame me, cling to me. Don't question me, trust me. Don't shout, shut me out, call me in, because I am with you now and rest in my love. So let's just pray. Father, thank you. Father, thank you that we're all broken people and you love us. And Lord, I pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened so that we might know the hope to which Jesus has called us and the riches of his glorious inheritance that we might know that every step of the way you walk with us Comfort us and give us your presence and love. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
Thanks so much, Chris. Wow, there's so much in there, isn't there? And um, as, as Chris was speaking, I was reminded of one of my very favourite scriptures, and so much of what uh, Chris said is, is in this scripture. It's from Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I've remembered that so many times. And, and that little, that little, little, little um, couple of words, with thanksgiving, and, and Chris really highlighted that, didn't it, about remembering that God is good and what God is doing. As we're waiting, as we're praying, we're continuing to pray. And that somehow, in that in that waiting, in that, in that pain, we can come to a place of, of hope and of peace. And that, that's something for, for all of us to, to hold on to um, in God's word.